Welcome to the Maranatha Baptist Church Podcast. It is our prayer that this class from our Equip Ministry will be a blessing to you and will grow your love for Jesus Christ. We would encourage you to use it only as a supplement to your regular intake of God's Word in your local church. If you need help connecting with a local church, please reach out to us on our website, mbcgrimes.org. Father God, we thank you for your love for us, and we thank you that with all these requests from our church family and those we know, uh, that you would show yourself faithful in those circumstances and that we would uh, just keep learning to trust you and walk with you uh, through the trials and uh, sufferings that uh, we experience in this life. And uh, we just thank you for uh, those who um, have that opportunity right now and that are uh, trusting you through that and just pray that you continue to comfort them and and help us as their church family to encourage them and uh, to find ways to uh, bless them as they uh, walk through these things. And thank you for the opportunity to uh, study your word tonight. And we pray that you would help us to find Christ as our supreme and sufficient Savior. And uh, that we, we just learn to walk with you and uh, not to trust ourselves, um, but to trust in you. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. All right. Uh, tonight we'll be in Colossians 1, 9 through 14. But I just wanted to kind of catch the high points of the background of the book that we looked at last week. So remember that uh, the purpose of the writing of this to begin with um, was Paul was addressing some false teachings that had come up in the life of the church. And Remember the Epaphras who had been there in the church, traveled and met Paul in Rome and uh, explained some of the things that the churches were facing. And so Paul writes this book to uh, encourage them to keep doing well what they're doing and to uh, kind of direct them in the right direction, some things that they were uh, fighting against. So uh, a couple things they were working against that we'll get in more in chapter two um, are kind of a divergent way into mysticism and legalism. So they wanted to bring Christ down to them in legalism so they could do things to get God to bless them or to you know, give them the things that they wanted. Um, or uh, mysticism, that they could go um, up to God in a sense, that they could experience God's presence by doing certain things. And the encouragement that Paul sends to them uh, Kind of the core of that is in Colossians 2, 9 and 10, where he wrote, For in him, Jesus, dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him, who is the head of all principality and power. So Paul's just really encouraging them that, uh, you know, these other things seem like avenues uh, that may not be bad things, avenues to uh, be closer to God but you are already close to God because you're in Christ and he, all the fullness of God dwells in him and we are complete in him. So we don't need these other things. So then he gets into in the second half of the book how um, we can live our lives because Christ is supreme and sufficient. So we kind of study um, the, the Christian thinking, the preeminence of Christ in Christian thinking in the first couple chapters and then we get into the preeminence of Christ and Christian living. So those aren't exact divides, even as we study today. Paul's prayer for them is encouraging them to walk worthy 
um, of Christ and to be well-pleasing to him. So they're not separable, but oftentimes the Christian thinking is the foundation for Christian living. Um, as we get into uh, the next couple verses here in chapter 1, we'll see that we need to walk in the will of the Father by growing in the knowledge of God. <clears throat> so the last week we saw that Paul mentions that he and Timothy had been praying for them, and now he's sharing more of the contents of his prayer and the things that he wants them to be uh, growing in. Um, and so part of that is how to know God's will. And this is really helpful for us. I remember when I was uh, younger, I was probably early high school or junior high, I played basketball and I would go out on my driveway and I would kind of do like a Gideon, I think he's the one, right, to put out the fleece. So God told him to do that and to, to you know, so that he would believe that God was really going to do what he said to do. But I would do that kind of thing where I was seeking the will of God by shooting like abnormally hard shots, you know, so like if I shoot over the garage backwards and it goes in, I know that God wants me to do this thing. So I don't know if you guys have ever done stuff like that. It's not a good idea. <laughs> um, but I would do that kind of thing as a kid where it's like, I believe God is in control of all things. And so I'm going to do this thing that only he could do. And if it happens, then I know that he wants me to go this direction in life. Well, that's not the way we find uh, God's will for our lives. And so Paul is going to explain that we find God's will um, by growing in the knowledge of God. And we grow in wisdom and we grow in uh, godly understanding. And we become able to know what God wants us to do in different circumstances uh, using the intellect he's given to us that's informed um, by a knowledge of him through his word. So uh, we'll look down through these verses together. So the first thing Paul uh, does is he asks, uh, he's praying to God, Paul asks for the readers to have knowledge of God's will. So this is a great prayer of Paul. You know, you think about, uh, I know from a counseling perspective, lots of the questions uh, that were asked have to do with people wanting to know God's will in, in really good ways of, should I go to this school? Should I date this person? Should I marry this person? Uh, should I take this job? Um, should I move to this city? All these things, we're, we're wanting to know what God wants us to do and what is wise and right. So when we look in verse 9 here, we see Paul's prayer request for them. So he points back, he says, for this reason, uh, so all this stuff he's heard from Epaphras about how they're doing, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you. So because of the news that Epaphras has brought to them, uh, Timothy and Paul have been in prayer uh, for the church there in Colossae. And I don't think this is gossip. I don't think Epaphras... Uh, you know, was sharing this with Paul and Timothy to hurt them. Uh, he was sharing it with them because he knew that they were uh, godly men that would pray and uh, that Paul, as an apostle, had the capability to um, send a letter and encourage them. And so sometimes there can be a fine line in our lives of, you know, is what you're sharing with me? <laughs> you know, did you have to share all those details? Is this 
actually a prayer request or are we gossiping? And so, yeah, I would just encourage you to guard your own heart in that uh, when, we, when we're caring for one another in prayer, to not speak poorly of one another and uh, to share things uh, speaking well of others and just what we need to share uh, so that we can be praying for one another. Uh, and so uh, they do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. So the, the request of the prayer is that they would be filled with the knowledge of his will, God the Father's will. And I think that's a great prayer to pray for one another. And in, in our lives, we usually, usually when I think of God's will, um, when that comes into my head, I'm thinking of like big life decisions of, you know, what does God want me to be in five years? You know, like something to be asked at a, uh, you know, applying for a job or something like that. But the will of God, as it's often addressed in Scripture, is more the day-to-day -day, uh, life choices that we make to uh, seek God, to please God, to be thankful for what God gives us. And I think that's true of this as well. And I think that plays out into the bigger decisions of life. So, you know, we, um, uh, we often want to, like, jump squares. So I like chess. And, you know, some pieces can, can slide and some can jump. And I was trying to teach Silas the other day, and he's, like, moving pieces all over. And it's like, well, those pieces don't do that, buddy. <laughs> so, yeah, don't try to teach five-year-olds chess. But... Uh, <laughs> But that's the way we want to live life a lot of the time, is we want to take a piece and move it to where we think it needs to be, and it just doesn't work that way. And so I think what happens in the way God works out His will in our lives is when in the little details we're following Him along the way, we end up where He wants us to be. And so the, the concern and the worry for the, the big decisions um, are taken care of in when we walk with God all along the path. So he wants them to be filled with uh, this knowledge. And some of your versions might say full knowledge. So there's a prefix on the front of the word knowledge in Greek. And so it's just a, um, it's kind of a more comprehensive that you, you would know everything God wants you to do, his whole will for your life. Um, and then his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. So when we think about wisdom, especially in the book of Proverbs, wisdom is understanding how God made the world to function. So God is the creator of our world, and he made it to work in certain ways. So it's kind of uh, like a practical understanding of the world because we respect God as the creator. So this is part of where the fear of the Lord um, in Proverbs plays in is we, we look at God and we say, you made it all, and you made things to operate a certain way, and if I live in accordance with how you made the world, things will tend to work out well. So that's what the book of Proverbs is, and that's kind of where, where wisdom plays in. So it's a, it's a fear of the Lord, it's a respect um, of who God is, and uh, just understanding uh, who He is and how He made the world and how we can... Uh, live alongside of that, alongside of spiritual understanding. So 
uh, it's not just understanding, it's spiritual understanding. And so what does the word spiritual mean? Uh, it, it's probably not capitalized in your Bibles, so it's most likely not referring to the Holy Spirit. But uh, something that has kind of come as a fruit of philosophy and uh, different things is we tend to uh, call spiritual things that aren't physical. And so it's a Platonic uh, dualism that we look at the world and we say, they're spiritual, you know, we're made up of, of spiritual and material, and some people have gone as far to say that the material is evil and we have to free the spiritual from the bondage uh, that is being held in with the material. So I think that isn't what the Bible is talking about when it uses the word spiritual. I think spiritual in the Bible is on, almost a synonym, synonym, synonym uh, for godly. So it's something that comes from God. Uh, it's something uh, that we, we learn from God, and it's from Him. So when we read that, in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, these are uh, ways that, that we learn how the world works by growing in our knowledge of who God is. So they're both terms that when we learn more about who God is and how He operates, it helps us to know what His will is and how to operate um, in our lives. Um, so that, that's helpful to us because um, Paul probably never, never met these individuals. And, you know, he's, he's in prison and here he is praying for these individuals that they would know God's will for them, uh, that they would know what he wants them to do and how, um, how to pursue him in life. And uh, he's helpful to them even when he's not there. So I think this can be an encouragement to us in life that, uh, you know, we, we should be praying for one another in our own church family, but then there's opportunities to pray for others in other churches that we know and others that we've never even met. And uh, we can learn from those we haven't met, uh, all, all sorts of things like that. And so I think Paul gives us a good example here of both how to pray and then how to find the will of God. So to know the full knowledge here, I think uh, it comes up again in verse 10. Um, but I think we'd all agree that you can't know God uh, personally, have this, this uh, more full knowledge of God without going to his word, where he's specially revealed himself to us of what he's like and what he's doing, what his purposes are um, in the world. And so I think, you know, it's great to pray for each other, but to also be personally in God's word, uh, to be growing in our knowledge of him and uh, not to just be hoping that, you know, when I need to make a decision that I'll be able to figure it out, but all along the way, be walking with the Lord and, and growing in our knowledge of him and uh, getting to know more. So uh, this knowledge uh, is, is like an intellectual content knowledge, but I think it goes beyond that, right? It's a, it's a delighting in God, worshiping Him uh, kind of knowledge where we have that respect to not only know His will, but then to follow it in real-life situations when we may not want to. So, you know, you think about all those things. Uh, I joke that, you know, it's the hardest thing when a young man uh, has his heart on a woman to talk him out of it. 
He'll, he'll turn against his parents, he'll turn against his friends. I've seen it happen, like, <laughs> you know, he's gone. Uh, there, there's no stopping him. Um, so there's, there's things in life where uh, God is going to be directing us a different way than where we want to go. And if we don't have that fear, if we don't have that love of him and reverence, we're going to go our own way. Uh, so that's kind of the, the main uh, part uh, that he's praying for them. And then he gives the purpose of, of why he wants them to grow in the knowledge of God's will. So secondly here, he requests knowledge for the purpose of walking worthy. So he, you know, knowledge is great in and of itself, but knowledge should always play out when we're worshiping God of, of what we've learned of him in the way we live and in uh, how we walk through life. <clears throat> so I think uh, here in verse 10, uh, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him. So the purpose of why he wants them to be filled with this knowledge of why he's requesting this from God for them is that they would uh, be able to, that, that they would be able to have the result of walking worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him. So I don't think on our own we can just figure out what's pleasing to the Lord and what's a worthy walk before him. It has to start uh, with a knowledge from his word. So it'll kind of play out here um, in four different participles of how we're to walk worthy. Um, and so it's a result, a means, a second means, and a manner. So he's going to talk about how they can be, how do you know that you're walking worthy of God? Well, there's fruit. Uh, we'll see that in verse 10. And then how can we begin to walk worthy? The first means is increasing in the knowledge of God um, at the end of verse 10. The second means is being strengthened with all might from God. And then the last way we're to walk worthy is to give thanks to God. And we'll look at 12 through 14 for that. So I can put these up here for you. They're just the, the parts from the verses. So Paul kind of walks through in his prayer. Uh, he's praying this for them, but it kind of results in giving us how it plays out in life by what he's requesting for them. Uh, so yeah, are there any questions on um, kind of the first two main points? Or uh, other thoughts that you've seen in life? Uh, that may be helpful for us. <clears throat> Do you have one, Linda? I'm not sure I can say this adequately, but <clears throat> there are other passages that talk where Jesus is personified as wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. Yeah. So it, it just kind of brings it all together that everything is in Jesus. Right. And knowing Jesus is the way we get true knowledge, the way we get true understanding, the way we get true wisdom. Yes. And James explains what that wisdom is from above. It's first pure, principle, easily treated, full of mercy, and fruits. So, the first gravity should be toward Jesus. Yes. Not that's excellent. Head knowledge. Right. No, that's really good. Um, yeah, I was also the kid who would like, you know. I'm going to open my Bible and have a word from the Lord of what to do in the situation, you know? <laughs> and I think exactly what you said, where 
that's not the kind of knowledge we're looking for of just, you know, you know, what does this verse say and how can I make this work for my life? But knowing Christ and knowing what he's like and uh, running to him. That's really good, Linda. Uh, so in verse 10, um, I kind of broke it up into three parts. So the second part there, being fruitful in every good work. So I think this is one of the ways uh, Paul's praying that this would be the result of their walking worthy, that they'd bear, uh, they'd have this fruit. Um, but notice the, you know, that it's passive. It says being fruitful in every good work. So, you know, we know from Ephesians uh, that Paul wrote at the same time as this letter, uh, or sorry, Galatians, I, I misspoke. We know from Galatians uh, the fruit of the Spirit and how uh, the Spirit is the one who uh, works that fruit out in our lives. So I think one way to think about this is uh, I know I'm walking worthy when people around me see more of what God is like than what Ryan is like. Uh, so Pastor Lance has a really great way of talking about this, that our job as believers is to show the world what Jesus is like. And that's what we do when we repent is we say, uh, what you saw right there, that's not what God is like. That's what Ryan is like, and I'm sorry, will you forgive me? And uh, hopefully Ryan's becoming more like Jesus. But the Spirit uh, shows his fruit um, in our lives and through us, and he's working that. So it's not something that we just fully, passively don't do anything. It's an active trusting the Lord and walking with him and uh, he produces fruit in our lives. Uh, and then secondly there, increasing in the knowledge of God. So this is similar to above, and I think this is just another emphasis of Paul that these uh, individuals who um, were pursuing, you know, knowing God in these maybe special mystical ways that uh, we should be growing in the knowledge of God, but uh, it's something that you, know, you need to be careful of and it needs to come from God's word. Uh, third, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long-suffering with joy. This one's really hard. <laughs> we, uh, it's, it's a great prayer to pray for one another because we all want to walk with the Lord. We all want to be pleasing to him and walk worthy of him, but we can get uh, self-reliant or even legalistic about these types of things where I'm going to do it myself. I'm going to please God on my own. This time I'm going to do it. Or um, if I do these things, I'll be pleasing to God instead of uh, trusting him and uh, walking with him by faith. So strengthened, uh, it's not active. I think it's uh, more of like a middle voice, but it's, it's not our might. It's strengthened with all might according to his glorious power. So, uh, again, you know, we can, we can look within ourselves to try and do our best, or we can trust in the Lord who's already supplied everything we need in our supreme and sufficient Savior, including the glorious power of God. And... I just love how he points out, um, you know, kind of what is this, the strengthening, uh, this sharing of might and glorious power for, uh, for all patience and long suffering with joy. So 
were, were people that aren't very patient. Uh, I thought back the other day, I was doing something on the computer, and it was taking like, I don't know, 10 seconds to load pages or whatever. And I was like, what is going on? Like, the internet's broken. And then I remembered like when I was a kid, and you literally had to like, hit the connect button, and then it would, you know, you guys, you know, it would make the, the dial sound, the, you know, all that stuff. And that was, that was really slow. <laughs> um, so I, I am not good at uh, being patient and long-suffering with joy. Uh, I think that's something I can grow in. But I've talked about it with my boys. Uh, you know, little boys aren't great at being patient and waiting, uh, you know, with joy. Uh, so I've tried to, to distinguish in their mind, you know, what does waiting look like versus patience? So we say patience is waiting quietly with a smile on your face. So I say that to them, and they kind of giggle, and then they smile. And it's, it's hard to wait. It's really hard to be patient and to wait, especially with joy. You know, there's lots of times where we're stuck, like we have to wait. Uh, we have to be patient. But to do that with joy, we need God's glorious power uh, to help us be able to do that. But what an encouragement that is uh, to have, to, to know that in our supreme and sufficient Savior, God strengthens us uh, according to his glorious power for all patience and long-suffering with joy. Uh, and then the last one there in verse 12 is giving thanks to the Father. And then he's going to mention several things that, that uh, he gives thanks for. But I think this is somewhat the manner in which we can walk worthy of the Lord is thankfully, is giving thanks to God for what he's done in Christ and what he's doing in our lives uh, currently. Um, and again, that's hard to do. It's hard to have a thankful heart when things don't seem right around us and they're not going according to our will. And uh, maybe we're, we're trying to do things that God uh, hasn't put for us to do. So those are um, the four kind of ways that Paul uh, talks about how walking worthy plays out. And so he prays this for the believers there in Colossae. And again, I think this is a great, uh, if you enjoy praying, praying scripture, this is a great prayer to pray for one another um, that uh, encompasses a lot of things uh, for the Christian life. Any thoughts on uh, anything we've covered so far? Yeah, Linda. I think the more we increase in knowing the goodness of God, the love of God, His accuracy in what he's doing you can see you get a bigger perspective than you're right now mm -hmm. and it does help you endure yes and, and have the long suffering with some joy because you know there's a good end mm -hmm. and you know the person who sees the good even if you don't see any good um, you're, you can trust his perspective Right. Helps you yeah, very good. Yeah, I remember, uh, I think it was when we went through the life of Abraham as a church, thinking through Abraham, who God appeared to and made all these promises to, and thinking through how many years passed between God 
coming and telling, giving him any updates or anything. It's like, that was like 20 years right there where, where just God promised and, you know, Abraham, as far as we know, uh, didn't hear from him for that long. And so, you know, what's a, what's a couple days, right? Yeah, Dale. I was fascinated by your illustrations of throwing the ball and yeah. the Bible. And there's a great progression, too, in the sport because in fruitfulness, we're beginning to learn mm. and desire the fruit. Mm-hmm. And it seems like there comes a time when you face something and say, well, I know what I ought to do. Mm-hmm. And then there's what I want to do. And we always think that what we want to do is going to be the better outcome. And right. there's a process of learning that, no, God said we should do it differently. Mm-hmm. Saying, but that would be horrid if I did that for a whole bunch of yep. reasons. And only to find that after obeying that there was a reason God wanted you to do it that way. And I think, I don't know about you, but I've had to go through that kind of experience a few times. Yep. But what happens with those is that builds strength. Because you begin to recognize that it's a better thing to do what he said than mm-hmm. to do what I think I figured out. And it ultimately is a thankfulness. Yep. It, that progression, I think, is a natural part of maturing. Yeah, that's really good. Jim, do you have something? Well, I was going to say, I think the, from a layman's standpoint, mm-hmm. bottom line, what Paul's telling them is get the knowledge through faith and walk the talk. Yep. You know, we today struggle with this walk the talk idea. Mm-hmm. And that encompasses a whole lot of things, some of the things that Linda was talking about. But, you know, do we walk the talk? Do we have the knowledge to, I mean, we're to get knowledge, right. what do we do with it? And I think that's the biggest flaw in humanity, certainly in my life. Mm-hmm. You know, um, no, that's, big challenge. that's really good, Jim. Um, yeah, as I, think through both Colossians and Ephesians, uh, there's such rich gospel truth in it, but then there's really hard, you know, real life commands from the Lord, you know, in the second half of each of those books, and um, they come together, and we need to, to trust our, our Savior and keep learning to obey. <laughs> I, tell, I tell my boys lots of things, but uh, I tell them that you know, I'm still learning too, and we can learn together, and I'll be learning forever. <laughs> God's the only one that got it, has it all figured out, so. Can you imagine Paul writing these things? Mm-hmm. He's a prisoner. Right. He's not. I mean, he comes up with amazing things, mm-hmm. even as a prisoner. Yeah. No, it's really, I mean, that's almost a testimony to God's power that the gospel flourishes even in persecution and prison and all those things. Good, Nancy. Your summary? Yeah, I like the word persevere. Yeah. Maybe somebody used that already. I didn't hear it. Mm-hmm. But because we can't, preserve, we can't persevere without strength. He's strengthening us right. so that we can persevere, go through, mm-hmm. go through. Yeah, that's really good. And the, the just to add on yeah, Jim. Without the knowledge, we don't want to persevere. Right. Yeah, we give up. Yeah. But it's helpful in the context of this text too, because there's community happening here where you know Paul is 
encouraging them and even saying like, I know you guys are going through hard things, but I'm praying for you and uh, here's what I'm praying for you. And so different ways that we can encourage each other as well. Uh, the last part here um, is connected to the section that we'll study next week as well. Um, but it, it talks about what the Father has done for us in Christ. Um, the next couple things here. <clears throat> and I think these are some immediate things that we can increase in our knowledge. Not that we don't know these things, but I think Paul is saying, here's some things that God has already done. We can give thanks for these things. These things are the, It's an opportunity to know what's true of us because of what Jesus has done, and then to start living and walking worthy um, of who he is. So as we read through uh, these four things that uh, the Father has done for us in Christ, uh, there's kind of two different uh, categories that we can think of. Um, so one is, oh boy, this is a, a new marker. One is de jure, these are fancy Latin words, and one is de facto. Um, so this one is like law or, you know, judicial. And then uh, de facto is like actual um, or what, what we may experience in life. So what we're going to read here. Yeah, I, I picked a bad marker. It's a brand new marker, too. Oh, it was it was like this. Yeah, so. that's, that's my teacher tip. <laughs> Love it. This this uh, whiteboard gets ransacked by the kids every week, so there wasn't even a marker. I had to run and grab one. Um, so the the difference is between what what God has declared for us to be true legally in Christ, and then what we experience uh, daily spiritually in our lives. So what we're going to read here is true of us in Christ. It's de jure. It's, uh, it is true of us. We are complete in Christ in these four ways. But our experience, if we, if we just look at our experience, it says this is not true. So uh, it is true, but it's true in a similar way. We read like in Ephesians chapter 2 that we've been seated with Christ in the heavenly places. So I'm standing you know, in Grimes, Iowa right now. <laughs> but God has said that because I am united to Christ, I am seated with him in heaven right now. So in a very real sense, I am united to Christ and I am seated with him. And these four things are true of me. And these are the types of things, these gospel truths, that when we increase in our knowledge of these things and we remember them in our lives, it helps us to walk worthy of Him, to be well-pleasing of Him, and to, to live according to the principles that this declares in our lives, uh, the gospel principles. So he points out four things um, that the Father has done for us in Christ. So he says in verse 12, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. So we were unqualified. We did not deserve any inheritance. 
and God qualified us by uniting us to Christ so that we could uh, partake with others of the inheritance that God has for us. And he, he points out in the light, and uh, you know, it, light in Scripture is, um, you know, it often refers to where God's at and things like that. But I think he's somewhat uh, contrasting it with the next thing he's going to point out. So he has delivered us from the power of darkness. Um, so that's the next thing. He has delivered us from the power of darkness. So we were once under the power of darkness, and God has uh, rescued us from that. Sorry, I didn't click here. So the Father has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness. So not only were we unqualified with no inheritance, but now God has adopted us as his children, making us or qualifying us to partake of his inheritance. And then he rescues us from the kingdom of darkness. Uh, and then the second part of verse 13, and conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love. So again, you know, we look around us today and, you know, where's my inheritance? <laughs> you know, it doesn't look real in our, in our lives right now, but God uh, judicially, legally, in all the ways that matter except for what I experience right now, uh, I am qualified to be a partaker of God's inheritance, and I've been rescued from the kingdom of darkness and put as a citizen into the kingdom of the son of his love. And so these are just radical truths that uh, when we think about our lives, um, it, you know, it, it simplifies a lot of things in life. In life. So uh, we, we had a, our pastor's meeting this afternoon, and you know, we're talking about uh, building and renovating and trying to figure out what our best next step to do is. And you know, that dollar sign is scary. <laughs> but we serve the God who took us out of the, the kingdom of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love. Like, why, why, do, why does a decimal point matter? God owns it all, and he's powerful. His glorious power is enough to, to take me out of the kingdom of Satan and to adopt me into the family of God. And so things in life, we, we don't need to worry anymore because... We know that God has it all, and he can do um, whatever he wants with um, everything because he owns it all. Uh, and then verse 14, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. So at the end of verse 13, it talks about the son of his love, and then it refers back to him in verse 14, back to the son, back to Jesus. In Jesus, we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sins. So we just have some really uh, clear uh, gospel truths um, of things that are true of each one of us because Jesus shed his blood for us and we trusted in him. And when we increase in this knowledge, you know, walking worthy can, can become a lot easier. When we think about the glorious power that was displayed in what God did in these four things, um, that's the power that, that he's strengthening me with uh, in my day-to-day -day life. So what does this require of us? Um, 
You know, we're quick, we, we can be quick to, to jump to things that provide an easy moralism or an easy way to feel close to God, um, whatever it might be. But the encouragement here is to, to remember the gospel, to trust in Christ, and to continue to grow in our knowledge of Him, and uh, to walk with Him and to follow His will, and not to be uh, led astray by other things. And again, I think it's really important the community that's represented in these verses that, you know, a guy wrote this who heard from a guy who loved these people that they were in trouble. And so he knew this guy well enough to trust him to love these people and send them a letter. And, you know, now we are able to read of it today. And I think God has just given us so many amazing blessings and benefits in the gospel that we can walk with him and, and trust him in day-to-day -day life. Uh, any thoughts on uh, any of those verses that we studied or anything else? Jim? Well, you mentioned uh, your question was, where is our inheritance? Mm -hmm. I think our inheritance is in the peace yeah, that we have. Yeah, for sure. You know, through our faith, realizing we have the inheritance should and could and does bring peace to us right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we're experiencing yeah, all that. That's great, Jim. Any other thoughts on 9 through 14? <clears throat> okay, let's look at a few um, application thoughts here. So some things that, that we can do is we can pray for each other, uh, each other to grow um, and then pray that we would also grow. So I don't think it's wrong to pray these things for ourselves. Um, you know, we want to be, be growing in the Lord um, as well. And yeah, it's, it's convicting to see Paul, uh, you know, reach out to people he doesn't even know and... Uh, obey the Lord in that way and encourage them. Because um, it can be easy to get wrapped up in, you know, just the things in front of you, but to remember that God's work is, is bigger than me, is bigger than our church, um, and he's, he's working all around our city and state and uh, the world. Um, pursue knowing and delighting in God in his word. So again, we don't want to just, you know, learn facts and be able to, you know, recite statistics uh, in that sense. Um, but we want to know the God of the Word and love the God of the Word. And that's uh, a really great habit to get into in our, in our Bible reading and when we interact with Scripture is to make sure that we're looking at what, you know, His Word reveals He's like and we're uh, worshiping Him in that. Uh, devote ourselves to knowing and practicing God's will. Um, yeah, it's... Uh, I had a... Oh, I had a period in my life where I was like, oh, I have no ambitions. I'm just going to be what God wants me to be. <laughs> and I don't think that's the sense God wants us to have in life. I think we need to be ambitious for Christ and doing the things He wants us to do. And not just 
throw aside um, purposing our lives for something and just saying, well, I'll just do whatever happens, but, but seeking to, to follow the Lord and to do what he wants us to do um, in the details of life. So there's a book I started to read by a guy, I can't remember his name right now, but it's called Rescuing Ambition. And the idea is, you know, God doesn't want you to just like let go of everything and do nothing or wait for him to do whatever, um, but to, to know his word, to know what he wants you to be doing and go after that and uh, be practicing his will as he's clearly laid out uh, for us in his word. Uh, seek a walk that is worthy and pleasing to the Lord. Um, it's easy to get lazy in our walk with the Lord and either to just do the things we know is right because we know it's right, um, which can be responsible. You know, we shouldn't just like do the wrong thing because <laughs> I think I would be uh, hypocritical if I did the right thing, not feeling it or whatever. Uh, we should always obey the Lord. Um, even if we don't feel like it, we should be responsible in that way. But uh, seeking to, to please the Lord in what we do and um, even, you know, I've been challenged recently by, uh, you know, the, the famous verse, whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, do all for the glory of God. And how often do I drink water to please the Lord? <laughs> I think, you know, you, you can get too mixed up in the details, but my life is to be uh, pleasing in everything to the Lord, and I can do everything I do for God's glory, and uh, to please Him, you know, and we think about wisdom ways with food and water, like it's pleasing to the Lord for me to work to, uh, you know, take care of my body in the way that He made my body, like that's pleasing to the Lord. So some of the people in Colossae were uh, harming themselves because they thought it was, you know, it was a mysticism thing where it made them closer to God. They were hurting their physical bodies. And I think that's a misunderstanding of what God's will is. And, you know, it can play out in any number of ways. But just thinking through in your own life, um, where, where can I shore up where I'm seeking to please myself or to please other people instead of seeking to walk worthy of God and to please Him. Um, and then, yeah, we saw those four things um, that Paul prayed for them um, of how they could walk worthy and pleasing to God. So we can seek to be filled with the Spirit and to bear His fruit to the world. We can be uh, increasing in our knowledge of God and being strengthened by God's glorious power uh, to be patient with joy and give thanks to God for His awesome works. I think if we you know, took any two of those and got really good at them, that would be awesome. <laughs> I, you know, if, if someone who is really grumpy or has trouble getting along with people uh, really grabbed hold of being thankful to God for everything, that would change their life. Uh, they would be a totally different person um, or someone who is worried about everything uh, that's going on around them or things they need to do. And if they really grabbed on to, I need to trust in the Lord's strength and his glorious power and to be patient and long-suffering with joy for these things, uh, that, would, that would change our lives. 
Um, all of these things um, are helpful for us and they're easy to say, yeah, I want to do that and I need to be doing that and to kind of passively think we're doing it. Um, but it's different to actively grow in our knowledge of the Lord, fix our minds on Him. We'll read that in chapter 3. Set your minds on things above and really you know, seek the Lord uh, to walk worthy of Him and to please Him. And then remember God's judicial works for us in Jesus. So they are true of us, but you know, everything, maybe everything around us in the world says they're not true in our lives. Um, and so we have to trust the Lord that what God said He's done for us in Christ is true and that we're complete in Him and uh, secure in Him. So those are, those are some thoughts uh, from the text that might be helpful as you uh, think through how we can uh, apply this to our lives. And uh, yeah, I just encourage you to keep thinking through um, your own life and to think through you know, what might look different if I was, uh, you know, actually trusting in our supreme and sufficient Savior? You know, what in my life reveals that I'm not doing that? How, how am I seeking sufficiency or power from some other avenue? And can I trust the Lord with those things and continue to, to receive help from those? Or are those things that have taken me away from trusting in Christ's supremacy and sufficiency. Uh, any more thoughts on uh, these verses we studied? Or the application or any other things that came to mind? Yeah, Linda. I think hardships, which none of us want to sign up for, but they come to us. And when they come, they can sharpen our focus because when you're hurting, you don't just want a list of to-dos. You want mm -hmm. a living person mm -hmm. who cares for you. Mm -hmm. and, and the Lord is that. And that draws us to Him and helps us to know Him. And, and that's, He helps us to do His will. Mm -hmm. It's drawing near to the person right. of Christ. That, um, and then those hardships, I think, prompt us to Christ. Yep. Um, <clears throat> there's a poem by Martha Snell Nicholson called The Mendicant, which, um, no, it's called The Thorn, but it starts off, a mendicant is a beggar. And he says, I, I stood, I met a mendicant of God, a beggar, and I begged him for some special gift that he would give me. Mm -hmm. And God presses a thorn into the heart. And the person's like, no, that's not what I have. <laughs> you know, this idea of poem. Yeah. But it ends, <clears throat> He takes the thorn to draw away the veil that hides his face. Hmm. And that is what we really want, is to know the living Lord in an intimate, close way. And <clears throat> yep. hardship, although nobody should want to sign up for it, uh, can be used for that good purpose. Right. That's really good. Yeah, that made me think of an old hymn uh, called I Ask the Lord That I Might Grow. I don't know if you're, any of you are familiar with that one, but uh, it's almost humorous because uh, the way the song goes is the person's like, you know, singing to God, can you help me grow? 
uh, and like give some ways of like, you know, reveal yourself to me. I can't remember all the things uh, that's mentioned in the song, but one of, the, I don't know if it's the refrain or where it happens, but it goes, instead, you showed me the hidden evils of my heart. And uh, it's something like that where, you know, God shows us our sinfulness and a similar thing where, you know, we should be disgusted and run to the Lord and, uh, you know, turn away from our sin and trust Him. And so, yeah, that's, that's very true. Jim? When you're talking about songs, one of my favorite, Linda Randell, who's a gospel singer, she sings a song that says, when I meet you, Jesus, I hope I don't have to change. Hmm. You know, and there's a lot of meaning in that in relationship to what Paul's writing about, what London's not, what we're all talking about here, you know, walking right. the walk. Um, am I going to have to change some things when he comes down to the wall? Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah, really? I was just thinking that all those things, the really bottom line is be in the Word. Hmm. I mean, diligently in the Word, because you can't grow, you can't delight the Word. Right. All those things. Yeah, you're exactly right. And uh, it's, I think, you know, I've at least experienced where when you're not in the Word, you know, you, you maybe start pleasing yourself and, and following your own will. You know, these things start to, to kind of fall aside where um, you've lost track of the Savior and what He's done and what God has done through Him. Good. Thanks for listening. For more resources, visit our website, mbcgrimes.org. May the word of Christ dwell in you richly, and to God be the glory.